And I have so many reasons to be thankful. Uh, I do wish you all a blessed Thanksgiving. As you gather with your friends, as you gather with your family, as you bring them near to you, uh, just remember all of the blessings that God has bestowed upon you. As you come together with your family, I, I want to remind you of 1 Thessalonians 5.18. It was our memory verse uh, concerning God's will and everything. Give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ concerning you. So in everything, we are to give thanks. I want to remind you of Ephesians 5.20. God's Word tells us that giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm thankful that very few churches in the world today that are online can say, was that a dog barking in the background? I mean, we are unique, and that makes us even more unique. Yeah, so, so just so those, so the millions that are listening out there online, they'll know, yes, that was a, dark, a dog uh, that barked. Uh, we welcome anyone to come to our church. Amen? Well, this morning as we come together, I want you to know how thankful I am for this church, this congregation, for each and every one of you. I'm thankful for the salvation that I have through Jesus Christ. I'm thankful this morning that uh, I have the wife that I have. I'm thankful for the family that I have, and that includes my church family. I'm thankful for my home. I'm thankful for this country. When I pause to count my blessings, folks, you just need to understand, I am overwhelmed. I am a blessed man. And I know that each and every one of you could say the same about, about all that God has blessed you with. As a matter of fact, it was this week, uh, Faye and I were having lunch at the house. Uh, she, she leaves her office, she comes home uh, when I'm there studying, and I make her a, a, a sandwich, and we have lunch together. And uh, we were sitting there having lunch, and the thought came into my head to ask her as I was chowing down on my sandwich, and just as I got ready to ask her, what do you want for supper? She said, what do you want for supper? And I thought to myself, here I am about to eat lunch, a really good lunch, and there was no doubt, were we gonna get any supper? where we were going to have any supper, we were going to have supper. And not only were we sure that we were going to have supper, we have a plethora of things to choose from. The hard part is we just have to go and get it and thaw it out. So when you stop and think of the blessings that we have in this country, and I realize there are people around the world that do not have those blessings, and we pray for them, but may we not forget, may we not fail to thank God for all of those blessings. And when she said, well, what do you want for supper? I just stopped. And I thought, Lord, you're just so good to me. You're so good to us. And I appreciate that. And so some of you have agreed this morning to share 
some of the things that you're thankful for. And so Neil took the um, microphone down, and so I don't know, uh, Kip has agreed to share, and Janet has agreed to share, so Kip, since he handed you the mic, won't you stand and, and share what God has, has done in your life? Thank you, Pastor, for allowing me this time. I want to say thank you to everybody who's part of the, this church family and believers for welcoming me and making me part of this, this family, and it's very important to me. Uh, in the past 12 months, I guess 13 months, whatever we're on now, uh, the work of God has shown through really, really blazingly. Uh, I went through a time of a stroke. Uh, family members, uh, high-ranking family members uh, dying. And what seemed to be like my family completely imploding and my health completely being destroyed is a blessing to know and to have the privilege of knowing that the Lord is in control uh, when you look up and you see your God-given uh, spiritual leader come through the door, it can be an extremely traumatic situation. You, you, you see the work of God in your life. You know, when that man came through that door, it made all the difference in the world. But in that, you know, I used to think that oh, Lord, I want to be a soldier for you. I want to be a, a Christian. I didn't really know what I was asking for. I didn't realize that this was not a five-star hotel. I didn't realize that this, this is probably not going to be the most comfortable thing in the world. Uh, and that's an understatement in some cases. But uh, it has been. But the thing of it is, is that the Lord is gracious, and he's been blessing. And those who said he may not live a year ago, here I am. <laughs> Those who said he, he likely won't walk again, I'm standing before you. Because when the world says no, the Lord says, hold on. This is my will, not yours. Now, I can go on and on about that, but the Lord is extremely gracious to me. And along with my gratitude of all the things that I have today in my life, has not been redeemed in the sense that it was. It's been changed according to what God wants done. It reminds me of the three Hebrew boys when they said to Nebuchadnezzar that if my Lord decides to, he can free me. But even if he doesn't, I will not serve your gods. And that's where I stand. I will not relent. I will not compromise. It is not what the world thinks. It's not what politics or anybody thinks. I strictly am a follower of Christ. Along with that comes two things that I'm concerned with that since I happen to have the mic and I can, yeah, I'm going to share it with you. I have two concerns. One is Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Right there, that brown board. I want us to not give lip service. I want us to know and remember that and know it to your core. And two is that I'm very concerned about true believers attacking other true believers over things that is not important to the Lord. I'm very, very concerned about us boosting ourselves up at the expense of other Christians. I'm not going to prolong that, but I want to tell you I'm very grateful. But along with gratefulness comes some concerns because I see the things that 
are not exactly right in my life and the life of other believers. Because God doesn't save perfect people. He saves sinners, you and me. So I want to thank you, let you all know that I love you so much, and I'm grateful, and the Lord is working in my life. And I hope that we all get to see each other in another 12 months. Thank you, Pastor. He does really well during Bible study, but I don't bring him to church often, so we need to desensitize to church more. And whoever was barking at him, please don't bark at him. <laughs> that just makes him want to bark. <laughs> so, okay, be still, all right? I wrote down what I wanted to say because I wanted to say so much, I didn't want to go on and on. So, what I'm thankful for, when I stop to consider all that I'm thankful for, I oftentimes don't even know where to begin. I was homeless as a teen, so I appreciate each aspect of having a home. A refrigerator or fridge till later, as I call it. Let's put that in the fridge till later. Dishes and the ability to keep them clean and safe. Keeping myself and the things I need to have warm, warm, while the things I need to keep cold are kept cold. It's impossible without a home. A warm, clean bed that I can stretch out in is priceless. I used to be disabled by PTSD. The first time I was attacked by a stranger was when I was nine. By the time I was 13, I was on the run, and being at the disposal of those who seek to harm children eventually took its toll. I used to walk around the grocery store, ducking down, trying to hide from whoever was coming to attack me next. I couldn't function, and my life received, and my life revolved around all the dates I had been victimized on, which always seemed to be someone's birthday to make it more difficult to forget. In my adult life, I've learned of Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, which is the genetic condition that tortured me as a child and has greatly impacted my life due to pain, surgeries, and wasting 14 years of my life at home in a hospital bed. I came down with chronic regional pain syndrome, also known as reflex sympathetic dystrophy, and spent two years searching for why all the bizarre things that were happening to me were happening and no one could validate, much less explain. I saw a time in my future where, as a God-fearing woman, I would give up and go home to Jesus. Don't feel sorry for me. God took my PTSD in a day, all of it, gone. If you haven't heard the story, I'd love to share it with you sometime. Ask me anytime. I can't see through the tears, hold on. God led me to a device called the PEMF mat about two years ago and it has changed my life and taken the word hopeless out of my medical future. My pain is so managed now that I've taken myself off of 125 micrograms of fentanyl per hour and lots of oxycodone. Now I rarely take any pain pills ever. I still have pain and symptoms, but I can live my life being much more functional. I've been so blessed in my lifetime to know how blessed I am now. Some people have what I have and they think they're poor. I know I'm rich with blessings. I may not have lots of money, but I have everything I need and much of what I want, including a dedicated husband that loves me and helps me do what I cannot do on my own a church family that loves me, and even as flawed as I am, grace from God that, that though my nervous system goes haywire and I do freak out, God knows I love him and I don't want to freak out and he forgives me. I've been so blessed by God regardless of where I was. Hold on. I'm going to wipe my tears, y'all. I'm sorry. I can't see. I wrote it from the heart. 
been so blessed by God, regardless of where I was and what I was putting myself through. He's always been there, rescuing me from myself and the evil around me. On this day, I cannot tell you how blessed I am to be here with a mostly sound mind, being safe, secure, with clean, dry clothes, a comfy car to get to and from, and family, including my daughter, who's now saved. Sweet grandbabies. <laughs> Praise be to God. Sweet grandbabies, friends, and others around who love me. I have reconnected with my biological father, who is saved, so now I even have a parent in my life who loves God. Let's not forget my sweet puppy that is becoming so helpful to me. Yes, God is good, and I am so thankful. thankful. Thank you for listening. Take that to Bill Billings. Bill, were you going to say something? Thank you. Thank you, Kip. Uh, well, <clears throat> I have a lot of things to be thankful for. Just being, <clears throat> as I get up into extra innings of life, the... Uh, <clears throat> I'm reminded that uh, I continue to receive God's blessings on a daily basis, sustain, sustaining me in everything that I that I need. <clears throat> I'm uh, I'm still in recovery from uh, losing my wife almost five years ago now, but uh, that's. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, managing uh, managing that product probably as well as I can uh, can be expected but uh, I uh, I'm very thankful for this uh, church very thankful for our pastor he's, he's been not only my pastor but he's been a good friend both he and Faye for uh, almost back to the beginning of this uh, of this church so that has been a real uh, stabilizing force in my in my life, and uh, I just want to continue to uh, seek God's will for the time I have remaining, hoping for the rapture, the, ble the blessed hope that uh, that uh, either either way we go, we we know where we're going to end up. So that's that's the the best news of all. So. Thanks, Rick, for all you do, and thanks for the church family. Anyone else want to share? I asked one other, and they weren't able to, to be here today. But anyone else have something they want to share? Oh, Shirley? Yes, I'm very, very thankful to be here today. Um, I'm so grateful for Pastor Rick in my life. Um, I'm so blessed uh, to have this church family. I know you all have been praying for me the whole time that I've been gone. I had a uh, knee replacement, and the next thing on the list is a hip replacement. But um, God has been so gracious uh, to me and has uh, uh, given me all the things that I need. And I'm so extremely blessed to have my daughter in my life. Catherine Ann, Carrie. She has been with me. Um, I, I just can't tell you what she has done. Carrie is handicapped, but um, she's been the greatest blessing and joy of my life that God has given me. 
And I'm very grateful for my sister who stayed with me through thick and thin through all of this. And um, I'm grateful for everything that God has given me. And when I get up every morning, I always uh, thank God for one more day, one more day. And I just pray that I can know and do his will as I go through this day. I love this church family. I have missed all of you. I'm so grateful to be back here today. And I hope I can continue uh, coming back uh, every Sunday. But I just wanted to say, <clears throat> just thank you so much, Pastor Rick. You have been such a blessing in my life. And I love you dearly. So that's it. Praise the Lord. Do I have to stand up? Well, I just want to thank everybody. I got a car now. I couldn't get to church because I didn't have transportation. So I was on that bus, on that metro link and walking. But you know, God blessed me with my church family, amen. And this is my sister right here, Ann. She picked me up every night and took me to work, amen. And then in the morning, sometime I walk and I walk pretty far. So my knees is bad. I may have to get a knee replacement, but I hope not. But anyway, I just praise the Lord and thank him. And so I can roll now, so I'm back at church. Amen. Obviously, I'm blessed. I mean, uh, I can't add to what the Lord has done has done into my life with my verbiage. Uh, the Bible speaks uh, clearly. It's a living word that uh, those are our marching orders. As we, we do have it. Um, this past week, uh, Pat Kennedy lost his father. And I happened to run into him this uh, middle of the week uh, and I was able to shake his hand and, and offer him my condolences. And I hope it was for everyone here as well. I hope he felt like I could speak for this whole assembly. So in that, I hope it gave him and his family some, some peace. Reminded me of a scripture. Sometimes we read scripture and we, we have a hard time uh, making it very practical to our lives which is why we have a teacher to help us do that. And we're so thankful for Rick, our, our pastor, that does that. Um, uh, in Paul's writings, the um, pastor will have to tell me that he, he, can, he, knows the, he knows the book and the verse, I'm sure, and that uh, we have a peace beyond understanding. And I was thinking about Pat Kennedy with that. And that peace is beyond understanding is what he feels, at this time because he's a Christian and that's the peace that is beyond understanding and his father who passed away he had that peace beyond understanding that led up to his his actual death so it gave me a, a different insight to that verse and I'm so thankful for that and that the Holy Spirit helps me understand that so there there uh, therein lies what uh, I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for is that there are people who love to share what they're thankful for. 
and that you don't, Scripture says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, and you guys are good at, at doing that. So, Howard? Out. Yeah, I am thankful that I found this church. Before I found this church, I never knew if I was doing good enough or what I needed to do or if I was okay, but now I know. Thanks to uh, Rightly Dividing. Thank you, Lord. Amen. One more. If there's one more they'd like to share. All right, turn with me to, oh, Carla. Neil? Carla raised her hand. Just in the nick of time. Well, I'm not going to say too much, but I'm thankful to be alive. I'm thankful for my mom, most of all. We have been through so much, and we continue to go through things. And I thank God for teaching me throughout everything that I'm going through. I'm learning. I'm getting stronger. And I realize that, you know, through all of this, I will come out strong. And my family will be okay. And I just have to let the Lord, you know, continue to guide me and teach me through the Holy Spirit. And I'm thankful for all of you all because I was, like, almost done with church completely. And I'm just thankful that I found you all, and I love you all. Amen. Thank you. Well, turn with me to Habakkuk, chapter 2, starting with verse 20. Habakkuk to verse 20. I'm going to share the thing that I am so thankful for. I mean, I've already thankful for my salvation, thankful for my family, church family, thankful for this nation. But I'm thankful this morning that our God is in control. Each and every day that we wake up, each and every day that we go about our, our jobs and the schooling and all, all that we do, I've got to tell you that I'm glad that, that God is in control. Habakkuk 2.20 says, Behold, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. And the word to keep silence before him literally means just hush. Just hush. Just realize who God, who God is. Zephaniah 1.7, the prophet Zephaniah talking to Judah said exactly the same thing. Hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord God. In other words, just hush. Be still and know that I am God. Zechariah 2.13 Be silent, all flesh, before the Lord. Just hush. And understand and realize that the God of all creation is the one who has our lives, our future, in His control. Now this week, as I was studying and getting ready for the class, uh, our Wednesday night Bible study on Daniel. Then as I was getting ready for our Sunday school class on Ezekiel, I kept coming to Habakkuk. During, during that study, as I was looking at those different prophets, uh, both Ezekiel and Daniel uh, are prophesying to the, to the nation of Israel, or actually Judah, the southern kingdom, outside the land. 
the, it, Israel has been taken into Babylonian captivity. Judah's been taken into Babel, Babylonian captivity. But there's another prophet that's out there prophesying right before they're taken into captivity, uh, and it is Habakkuk. And as you study the book of Habakkuk, the one thing that just glares, the one thing that just comes, uh, comes forth from this study is through all that Judah was going through and all the destruction and, and all the, that God was taking them through is that God is in control. That he sits on his throne, that he is in his holy temple, that uh, he is everything that he says he is and desires to be in your life. Uh, years ago, we did a, a study on Christ of the book. Remember that? All the way from Genesis to Revelation. We went through, all the way through, talking about, in the volume of the book is written of me, Christ said. And so we identified Christ in the book of Genesis and in Exodus and Leviticus. We went all the way through Revelation. Well, in the book of Habakkuk, Christ is portrayed as the everlasting one. Christ is the everlasting one. He is in control. And as we go through whatever the future has for this nation, whatever the future is for this church, the thing that I want us to remember is that God is on his throne. That theme of Habakkuk is that God is in control. And regardless of what happens in the future, what startling episodes, what the world goes chasing after, what the world starts telling us is right versus what the world starts telling us is wrong, our focus needs to be on the truth of God's Word, what God's Word says, because I'm telling you, church, we are going to be called upon to compromise in a startling and unsettling way. I think, over the, in the immediate future. There's already a call for the church to compromise. That's been going on for some time. But what we need to understand is that God is in control. Christ is the everlasting one. And all that's going on today, this, this nation and, and all of the leaders around the world, they're all going to be swallowed up into, into history. Today's startling headlines are, they're going to just be, they're going to fade into nothing. But our God is everlasting. And I am thankful for that. I'm thankful that He is in control. Habakkuk's message to the sinful nation of Judah was that God's plan and God's purpose would not be thwarted. The words that God gave to Habakkuk was for him to warn the nation of Judah and tell them that God's plan, God's purpose would not be thwarted, that man didn't have control of that, man's not going to call the shots, that was all up to God. A little bit of the historical background of what's going on in Judah during that time and if it sounds a little bit familiar to today's headlines what can I say what can I say I can tell you this regardless of what was going on then or what was going on now it's all due to man's brokenness man's sinfulness but Habakkuk was prophesying during Judah's demise 
Israel had already, the nation Israel, about 100 years before, had already gone into Assyrian captivity. And there was a call by prophets for Judah to repent, yet they were extremely heartless. Their, Judah's leaders were heartless. The, the people of Israel, the Jews, they were heartless. Uh, Jehoiakim was the, the king. He was a godless pervert, and he was leading Judah down the same path that the nation of Israel and the northern kingdom had gone down. The rulers were corrupt. Uh, the sins of Israel, the sins of Judah were, were rampant. And Judah, or Habakkuk, being a, a godly man, he saw what was going on, and he was having struggles with all the flagrant violations of God's law that was taking place, why in the temple itself, in the temple itself, they were putting obscene writings on the wall. That in the temple itself, they were worshiping false gods at that time. There were so many abominations, disgusting things that was disgusting things that was that uh, was taking place. And Habakkuk saw all this, and he cries out to the Lord. Habakkuk, during this time, he calls, he calls out to the Lord. Captivity, Babylonian 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 captivity, captivity 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 Ezekiel's going to say what part of the problem is and Ezekiel says they don't think I see they don't think I know what's going on they don't they don't think I know what's happening what they're doing in the temple what they're worshiping they don't think I see but I see God is saying I am in control. And so Habakkuk cries out in Habakkuk 1-2. Look at Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 2. O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear every even cry out unto thee of violence, and thy will not save, or thou wilt not deliver. Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are they that rise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment proceeds. So Habakkuk's crying out to God, I've seen all this injustice. I've seen all these things are taking place. Your law is not followed. There are things that are going on. Why do, you, why do you let me see all these things, God? Why don't you do something? And I'm sure that Habakkuk was sincere as he cried out. But then God answers him. God answers him. And the answer is absolutely startling to him. It's perhaps much more than Habakkuk bargained for when God answers him. Because God does answer him in verse 5. Let me see what God says. 
Verse 5, this is God speaking. Behold you among the Gentiles, among the nations, the heathen, and regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days which you will not believe, though it be told you. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed out of themselves. Their horses also are swifter than the leopards and are more fierce than the evening wolves, and their horsemen shall spread themselves, and their horsemen shall come from, a, come, come from far, and they shall fly as the eagle that hastens to eat, and they shall come all for violence, and their faces shall sup up as the east wind, and they shall gather the captivity as the sand, and they shall scoff at the kings and princes, shall be a scorn unto them. And they shall deride every stronghold, for they shall heap dust and take it. Then shall his mind change, and he shall pass over and offend, imputing this his power unto his God. And Habakkuk hears this. And the dialogue goes on and on, but Habakkuk, in chapter 3, verse 2, says, O Lord, I have heard your speech, and I was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years make known. In wrath remember mercy. Habakkuk is crying out to God. He's asking God, why? Why don't you do something? What's going on here? And God says, I'm going to do something. And then the staggering answer. God says, I am going, basically, just going to level. Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. Your people are going to be scattered. Your people are going to go into captivity. It's not going to be what you think it's going to be. Back says, oh, Lord, be merciful. Be merciful. God is saying, I am not going to tolerate Judah's sinful ways any longer. And frustrated, basically, Habakkuk just says, do something, Lord. But when the Lord says, I am, I'm about to, Habakkuk's not ready for the answer. And startled, he's startled in the severity of what Israel's fate is. We read this. And then we criticize Habakkuk. But I think we do the same thing, folks. We pray, Lord, get them. Lord, sick them. Lord, don't allow all this to go on that's going on. Lord, rain down your judgment. Don't allow... Lord, we look at the world and we see how wicked it is. We see how the direction that it's going... Lord, do something. And every week, just about it, we start the service 
saying, Maranatha, our Lord comes. And I'm ready for the rapture. Amen? I'm, I'm ready for the, I am ready to exit this place. And so we pray, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Take us out of here. And that's basically what Habakkuk was doing. Lord, where are you? How come you're not doing anything? Look at all the sin. Look at all the stuff that's going on. And then God says, I'm going to do something about it. And Habakkuk's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. oh, I wasn't quite ready for you to do all that. See, as we say, even so come Lord Jesus, as we say Maranatha, we need to understand it as we, as we uh, look for, for that, and, and, and we should. God's Word says there's a crown of righteousness laid up for those who love His appearing, who will look for His appearing. But as we pray that prayer, we also need to understand that 2 Timothy 3.1 is in the book. And 2 Timothy 3.1 says that before the last days, perilous times are going to come. Lord, rapture us out. Lord, come and get us. I'm ready for it. Bill's ready for it. We're, many of you are ready for it. Lord, come and get us. But you know what God's Word says? Before He does, perilous times are going to come. Are we ready for those perilous times? Are we prepared to do what is going to be necessary to minister when those perilous times... And I'm, and I'm thinking we're right there on the verge, if not in the middle of it right now. Titus 2.13 calls the rapture our blessed hope. You know why it's our blessed hope? Because of all the perilous times that's going on. The rapture is our blessed hope. That Christ is going to snatch us out, take us away in the middle of those perilous times. We're going to look around and we're going to see things going on. We're going to see how the church is being persecuted. We're going to see how we as individuals are persecuted. We're going to see that we're being scoffed at. We're being laughed at. Laughed at. We're being ridiculed. And that's just, those, that's really not that bad when you stop and think about it. But there's going to be persecution. And just as Habakkuk was told something by God himself, as he was crying out to him, saying, Habakkuk said, Lord, why don't you do something? We're saying, Lord, come and get us. And God told Habakkuk something. And as we look for the rapture, as we look for God to do something, and, and I pray for revival. I seriously, earnestly pray for revival. But then I stop and think, ooh, what may all that entail before revival comes? What kind of shaking, what kind of stirring must take place before people understand their need? Right now, mankind is pretty complacent, wouldn't you say? Well, the church is. Man's pretty comfortable. Man kind of says, hey, we've got all this under control. One of the most difficult things in the world to do today is to convince someone they're lost. To convince someone that they're a sinner. Well, who, on whose standards? How dare you judge me? I'm not a, I'm not a sinner. Well, you, yeah, or you believe that old book. The hardest thing in the world is to convince someone that they're lost and they need a loving God to save them. 
And so Habakkuk is saying, Lord, how long? And the Lord, oh, I know where I was going. The Lord tells Habakkuk the key to what he's facing. And that key is for us today too. The Lord tells Habakkuk in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, that the just will live by faith. It does. Behold, his soul which he lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. I'm telling you, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know God's in charge. And I am going to wake up tomorrow morning, well, even this afternoon after I've had a nap, I'm going to wake up believing that God is in control, that he is in charge. I'm going to be living by faith. Yeah, the world has gone weird on us. There are things that are being declared. There are being things pronounced. I mean, even from the pulpit, even from the, the church. But then in the last days, men are going to give heed to to demonic spirits and to, and to things that they, sh- they shouldn't be listening to. They're going to be giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. We just need to expl- expect that. That's what's going to happen in the last days. Yes, even so come Lord Jesus. Maranatha, come quickly. But prior to His coming, we're going to see those seducing spirits those doctrines of devils, those perilous times. And even through all of that, I am so thankful, God, you are in your holy temple. Let all the world just hush. He's in charge. And we can faithfully, we can with assurance, place our very lives in his care. That God is in his holy temple. Habakkuk 3, verse 16, sums it up, or sums up what I'm trying to get across in this sermon this morning. As we prepare for Thanksgiving, and we have so much to be thankful for, God has just blessed us so abundantly. But of all, as I count my blessings, I'm so thankful that He's in charge, that He's in control. In control of my life, in control of my future, in control of this nation's future, this church's future. But Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 16. When I heard, and that's all the stuff that God said was coming, that all that God was going to do. Habakkuk says, when I heard, my belly trembled. My lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered into my bones. There was a sickness as he understood what was about to transpire. And I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he comes up unto the people, he will invade them with his troops. Verse 17, folks. And although the fig tree shall not bloom, Neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, 
and the field shall yield no food. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. In other words, things are going to get really bad, is what he says here. And if you want to change that to modern day, you can say, you know, even though there'll be a gas shortage, there's not be, there aren't going to be any jobs, the economy's going to crumble, the stores are going to be bare, there's going to be all sorts of difficulties in the land. Where there, you, you, you look at the things that Habakkuk was fearing, or you just look at the things that we may be facing as a nation. Here was what, here's the summary of Habakkuk. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. And he will make my feet like hinds feet. And he will make me to walk upon high places. To the chief singer hold my stringed instruments. Make, I can just imagine him singing this. That he will make my feet like hinds feet. In other words, he'll make your steps certain. The high places where you can look over everything and see all that's going on and can grasp what's happening. That's the way God is going to bless you. He is going to make your feet as hinds feet so that you can climb and you can reach those high places where you can fellowship with God and get above all the garbage that's going on. That's God's invitation to you. Matter of fact, if you ever get a chance to read the book, uh, Hind's Feet on High Places. Anybody ever read that book? Hind's Feet on High Places by Hannah Hernard. Uh, Joyce and Faye have, have read that. Get that book. It's, it's an allegory. And it's, it's one, of the, one of the first books I ever read after I became a believer. Hind's Feet on High Places. Uh, it's the story of a lady by the name of Much Afraid. And she lives in the town of fear and trembling. But it's what God does to a person who lives in fear and trembling. They are much afraid. She was crippled. But all she desired to do was to follow the Savior and be in those high places. That shepherd drew her to him. And the story is a beautiful story. But boy, did she have all sorts of cousins and friends that kept throwing obstacles before her. I mean, a cousin by the name of bitterness. Another cousin by the name of something else. I forgot. But it's a fascinating book. But see, that's God's invitation that, yeah, we live in the city of fear and trembling. And all of our middle names might be much afraid as we see all the stuff that's going on today. But I'll tell you one thing. God's word is clear when he says, the Lord is my strength. He will make my feet like hinds feet and he will make me to walk upon high places. What a promise that is. I am thankful for that promise. See, this is what happens when you spend several weeks in Ezekiel. And you go, oh my. And you spend several weeks in Daniel. And you see what's going on. 
and you, you realize that the world hasn't changed very much. But just as then, I can tell you today, God is in control. He is in His holy temple. Let all the world be silent. He will have His way. He will have His will. So we can just hush. Be still. And know that He is God. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning and how thankful we are that you are the great God of all heaven. That you are our Savior. You are our Creator. You are our Sustainer. You are our Deliverer. Father, you are the one who holds us together. We thank you this morning for that salvation we have in Christ, that life eternal that's ours through His shed blood. Father, we thank you for the assurance of that salvation. We're thankful for the assurance that you're in charge, you're in control, and that we can safely trust in you. So, Father, as believers, we come together in this with grateful hearts that we give thanks for what you've done in our lives, what you continue to do in our lives. But, Father, we come before you, understanding that there's so many out there who are not saved. They have never by faith trusted in Jesus Christ. Father, may we have a burden for them. Father, may we understand, may we see clearly the need to take the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the grace of God, to those who need to hear. Father, this morning there are family, friends, loved ones that are lost. Father, our heart grieves, our heart breaks for them. Father, we pray that you'll send us, you'll send others to plant and to water, and we pray for their salvation before it's eternally too late. And yes, Lord, we pray for revival. We pray for an awakening, but as we pray, we understand what the cost of that might be. But, Father, it pales in comparison to that ultimate cost of your only begotten Son. Father, you took that step to pay that debt that we owed. Now, Father, pray that we'll live our lives as a blessing to you and in such a way that Regardless of what we do, it's glorifying you so that the world will see and go, that person's different. It's not I want what they have, but I want who they have. I want someone that's going to make that much of a difference in my life. Father, may we live our lives in just such a manner. And we pray all these things. In that precious name, that name that every knee is going to bow to, every tongue is going to confess to, we pray that, we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who's Lord of all. Amen.